Hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And the second reading today is uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, uh, verses 14 to 21, and that can be found in page 1160 in the Red Church Bibles. Oh, 161, sorry. So that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 21, page 1161 in the Red Church Bibles. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal to us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Good morning, everyone, and a happy new year to you all. This morning, we're turning in God's word to Psalm 130. It's a wonderful thing to come at the beginning of a new year before the Lord, the Lord who has brought us safely through the past year, and to praise him and put our trust in him and find encouragement in his word this morning. Psalm 130 is a psalm of hope. It might begin in the depths and not look like a very good title for a first uh, sermon of the year, but the psalm does rise up with firm confidence and assurance in the Lord and in his unfailing love. And so I've chosen this psalm for New Year's Day because of the hope and confidence it expresses in God, who holds this year in his hands. 
This psalm belongs to a group of 15 psalms called Songs of Ascents. They were sung on pilgrimage as the Jews made their way up to Jerusalem for the annual feasts like Pentecost and the Passover and Tabernacles and so on. But the psalm also belongs to another group of seven psalms known as the penitential psalms. Confession of sin is the main theme in the penitential psalms, such as Psalm 32, Psalm 51, and so on. So, this little psalm actually belongs to two different groups of psalms in the psalm book. And as a psalm, it has comforted and helped many of God's people down through the ages. Martin Luther said this was his favorite psalm. And John Wesley, on the day he was converted, was greatly blessed through the singing of this little psalm. And so this morning we're going to make our way through this psalm. So keep your Bibles open at Psalm 130. And we want to look at some of the great truths that we find here. The opening line of the psalm, out of the depths, is very powerful. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Now the past year, in fact, the past three years, have seen many people in the depths. The pandemic, the war in Ukraine, the housing crisis, cost of living. Many of us have also had personal reasons for being in the depths. Perhaps you've had health issues or money problems or family troubles or difficulties at work. Or perhaps I can't even imagine the depths that you have been in. The phrase, out of the depths, makes us think of Jonah. When he was thrown overboard, sinking down into the depths of the sea. Jonah's prayer from the belly of the fish uses some of the very same words that we have in this psalm. Jonah was not only sinking literally into the depths, he was also sinking spiritually. He had persisted in disobeying God, and rather than repent of his sins, he wanted to end his life. He was ready to commit suicide. Jonah was truly in the depths in every sense of the word. He couldn't save himself. And his only hope was a cry, a cry from the depths. And like Jonah, the psalmist here in Psalm 130 was in the depths because of his sins. He tells us that in verse 3. To be in the depths because of our sins is probably the worst depths of all. Carrying a burden of guilt and Longing to be free from it is a great depressing problem. 
Now, as far as guilt is concerned, today the world tells us we must not feel guilty about anything, least of all about our sins. We must move on. We must deny our guilt. We must ignore our guilt. Forget about it. Don't dwell on it. But none of that changes the fact that we are guilty before God and we know it. In the second place in the psalm here, we have a cry. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. A cry. The way out of the depths is a cry. And if you forget everything I say this morning, remember that as you go into this new year. The way out of the depths is a cry. Lord, hear my voice. How many of the Psalms start with a cry to God? Hear my voice. But we must make that cry to God. We mustn't just think about doing it or bemoan the fact that we are in the depths. We will never rise out of the depths unless we decide that we will cry out to him. The psalmist knows he doesn't deserve anything from God, but he also knows it's good to cast ourselves on God's mercy and cry out to him. And the Bible is full of people who cried out to God and received mercy. You remember Bartimaeus, the blind beggar outside Jericho? In his blindness, he recognized Jesus for who he was, the son of David, the Savior. And in his great need, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we read that Jesus stopped and he called Bartimaeus and he lifted him, not only out of the depths of his own blindness, but out of the depths of his own sins. And he followed Jesus. And he can do the same for you on this New Year's Day. What a great day to be lifted out of the depths. The same thing happened to Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He cried out, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. Lord, I'm ready to make amends. And Jesus heard his cry. And again, the thief on the cross, dying in agony because of his own sins. He cried out to Jesus, Lord, remember me. And Jesus on the cross, lifted him out of the depths of his sin and hopelessness to the joy of forgiveness and safety. The Lord hears the cry that comes from the depths. And when our sins cause us to cry out to God in sincerity and earnestness, he hears us. Yes, you can be sure he hears us. And many of us here this morning can testify that we cried out to him and that he heard us and he lifted us.
Now we come to verses 3 and 4, and I want to take these two verses together. They are the very heart of the psalm, and we want to spend some time looking at these two verses, verses 3 and 4. Let me read them to you again. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Sin and forgiveness. The psalmist raises an important issue in verse 3. He says, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? Does God keep a record of sins? That's a very important question. We all need to know the answer to that question because we all have sins. The answer, of course, is yes. Yes, of course he keeps a record of sins. How could he judge the world if he didn't keep a record of sins? The scripture again and again tells us that he does keep a record of sins. Listen to these verses. Ecclesiastes 12:4. God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Matthew 12:36. Jesus said, I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment of every careless word they have spoken. Revelation 20, verse 12, we read, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. Clearly, God does keep a record of sin. And clearly, God must punish sin. But then let's move on to verse 4. We have a lovely little word at the beginning of verse 4. But, against that stark background of depression and sin and evil, we have this little word, but, but with you there is forgiveness. It's one of the greatest verses in the Bible. But with you there is forgiveness. The buts in the Bible often introduce great contrasts. Sometimes the contrast goes from the negative to the positive. Sometimes it goes in the other direction, from the positive to the negative. You remember the story in the Old Testament of Naaman, Naaman the leper. And you remember how it starts off in 2 Kings 5. Naaman was a great man with his master. He was honorable, and the Lord had worked great victories through Naaman in Syria. And then the little word, but. But he was a leper. What a great contrast. But when we come to the New Testament, we have more exciting contrasts that go in the other direction. The Apostle Paul uses the word but to introduce good news again and again. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, 
He tells us that we are objects of God's wrath. And then he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Or in Romans 5, 8, we were still powerless, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, but is a very important word in the Bible. And here in Psalm 130, we have this but, and this is a but which is precious to every believer. But with you, there is forgiveness. Never forget that. In this new year, we will all sin against the Lord many times. But remember this word, but with you, there is forgiveness. When we were overwhelmed by our sins and we know that we can never stand before God, we remember this word, but with you there is forgiveness. Does God keep a record of sins? Yes. But in the case of those who believe in Jesus, our sins will never be counted against us because Jesus has paid the penalty for us and for all those, their sins will not be recorded against them. The psalmist says in verse 3, But if you, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? Who could stand before you? Paul answers that question in Romans 5. You remember that famous passage where he talks about being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You see, we have a new standing in Christ through the grace of God, which we receive by faith. So because of Jesus and because of the cross, by grace, we can stand before God. We can stand. And there are many scriptures that assure us that this is true. Listen to David in Psalm 32. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Yes, God keeps a record of sins. But he does not count those sins against those who believe in Jesus. God told his people in the days of Isaiah... I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Gone. When we lived in South Africa, we used to journey up to Johannesburg several times a year. It was a long distance, almost a thousand kilometers. It took all day. But about an hour into the drive, we used to come to a little town called Cathcart. And there was a mountain behind Cathcart. And the sun would just be rising as we approached the town. And across the middle of the mountain, there would be a line of mist. And as we drove towards the town, maybe for an hour, that mist got lesser and lesser. And by the time we got near the town, that line of mist was completely gone. 
And it used to remind me of this verse, this verse in Isaiah. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist gone. The prophet Micah says about the Lord, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and you will hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. With you, there is forgiveness. Paul gives us the same answer in 2 Corinthians 5. In that passage which Kiki read, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. But such great forgiveness comes at a cost. And we see that cost in the last verse of 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be a sin offering for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We, sinners, guilty, become the righteousness of God through Jesus. God not counting our sins against us. And so, with the Apostles' Creed, we can say those wonderful words, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Do you? Do you believe in the forgiveness of your sins this morning on New Year's Day? Do you believe that God has wiped them away like a mist, that he has buried them in the depths of the sea? through Jesus' blood and sacrifice on Calvary's cross. But there's something else here at the end of verse 4. God's forgiveness leads us to a new respect and reverence for God. In verse 4 at the end we read, With you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Therefore, you are feared. Another translation perhaps puts it better. It says, with you there is forgiveness so that we should stand in awe of you. We should be so thankful for forgiveness that it causes us to be amazed that God would do such a thing for a sinner like me. Stand in awe of Jesus. Jesus told the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18 to show us the proper attitude of those who have received forgiveness. It's the story of a servant who has been forgiven a huge debt, millions, and then goes out and finds someone who owes him a very small debt and refuses to forgive. And he's severely punished for this. And we have got to remember that parable again and again. We have been forgiven a huge debt. Where is our fear? Where is our fear for God? Where is our respect for him? Where is our reverence and awe for the Lord God Almighty who created the universe and who has taken away our sins. With you, 
there is forgiveness. In the fourth place, in verses 5 and 6, we come to the psalmist speaking about waiting for the Lord. He says, I wait for the Lord. With great anticipation, the psalmist puts his hope in the Lord. He's not waiting for forgiveness. No. He has already received that. But he's waiting for the sense of God's presence. God's felt presence in his heart and in his life. Those times when the Holy Spirit makes God real to you. Those precious moments. He's waiting for that. And those moments are with are worth waiting for. The psalmist says, in his word I put my hope. God's word is the basis for everything that we believe. There we find the great statements of truth. There we find the promises. There we find God's guarantees to us. Like where he says, he who comes to me, I will never drive away. Or John 6, or in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's word also shows us so many examples of the real people who received forgiveness. Abraham, justified by faith alone. David, his sins not counted against him. Peter falls down in the boat before Jesus and says, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. Mary Magdalene, Saul of Tarsus, all these and many more experience the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the psalmist uses the illustration of watchmen waiting for the morning. They persevere through the darkness, longing for the light. It's thought that these watchmen were the temple guards at the temple in Jerusalem. And they were guarding the temple and in the darkness they were longing for the light. But there was something more than just the light that they were longing for. Because when the sun began to rise and the darkness began to dispel, the morning sacrifice, the smoke of the morning sacrifice of the lamb at the temple would be rising up. And that sacrifice spoke to them about forgiveness and peace and cleansing from their own sins. They have confidence that the morning will come. And it always does. And so does the Lord. He always comes through for us when we need him. And when he makes us wait, he always has his reasons. He is teaching us patience. And afterwards, we understand why he made us wait. Remember Isaiah's great promise at the end of chapter 40 where he says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. 
They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. I wait for God. My soul doth wait. And in his word, I hope. In Luke 18, Jesus told a story about a persistent widow. She kept pestering the judge to hear her case. And she would not take no for an answer. And eventually the judge got fed up with her, with her persistence. And he heard the case. And Jesus said, we must not think that God is like that. Jesus said, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. God is the very opposite of the judge. He never keeps us waiting without good cause. And if today you're crying out to him for something and he hasn't yet answered or hasn't yet caused you to know his presence in your heart keep crying wait waiting time is often learning time and God like the dawn always comes through in verses 7 and 8 we see full redemption the psalmist knows he has been forgiven And now he appeals to God's people in verse 7. People of God, cry out to God. And you too will experience his forgiveness. You too will know his unfailing love, his full redemption. Cry out to God. He does forgive. Redemption means to be set free because a price has been paid. That's what Jesus did for us. And the redemption he made was full redemption. He didn't redeem us 95% and leave us 5% to work out for ourselves. No, he redeemed us fully and completely. Just like the hymn said, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. There is no more to be paid. Redemption is full for all our sin. And then in verse 8, the psalm ends with this remarkable prophecy. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. This seems to be a prophecy about the incarnation which we have just been celebrating. God himself would redeem the people. Not the priests, not the sacrificial system, not all the offerings upon the altar at the temple. No, but God himself would come. God himself would come in the person of his son and die on the cross to redeem his people. Now as the Jews went up and down to Jerusalem all those centuries and sang these words on their way up to Jerusalem, did they know that their great God himself would take human form and come and die for them 
in this very city where they worshipped? Possibly not. But we know it today. We who are alive today. It is history. We know it has happened. And we know that the great God of glory took on flesh and came and died in our place. And that is the very essence of the gospel in this little psalm. So, on this New Year's Day, whatever depths we're in today, whatever depths we will be in throughout this new year, let us be sure that we have the forgiveness that this psalm speaks about. If the Lord has lifted us out of our sins, then the other depths that we face, the other depths are not so deep. And the same Lord will lift us there too. We have a great God. There is forgiveness with him. Respect him. Honor him. Be patient. He will come through for you. He himself, the Lord of glory, came to Calvary to die for us. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Father, how amazing that you who made the universe, you who sustains all life through all the ages, you who are the Lord of glory, should yourself provide redemption for us. Oh Lord, we thank you. Lord, whatever our depths may be this morning or in coming days, we thank you that we can rise out of the depths, out of the depths to you and know that you are our God and that our times are in your hands and with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are worthy to be feared and praised and exalted. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.